Hello and welcome to She's the Doctor, the podcast where we hear from women in medicine about their life and career so far. We'll discuss their interests and achievements, but also explore challenges and failures. I'm your host, Dr. Radhika Thakra, an oversharing houseplant-loving paediatric trainee in London. Every week, I'll be interviewing women from a range of backgrounds in a variety of medical specialties and at different points in their career, each with their own story to tell. This episode is actually the first episode I ever recorded of She's the Doctor. I'm joined by the lovely Dr. Bina Vicaria, who you might already know as the Vegan Doctor on Instagram. Bina is a radiology registrar, bodybuilder, pole dancer, and vegan. She's nearing the end of a year out of training, also known as an out of program, or OOP. Bina explains why she decided to take an OOP, how she went about organizing the year out, and we discuss the differences in attitudes towards OOPs in pediatrics compared to radiology. Bina also tells us about her years in Australia after finishing F2, and shares the story of her dad sadly passing away just weeks before starting radiology training. We both discuss some of the challenges we experienced during medical school and at the beginning of our specialty training. I really enjoyed this episode with Bina. It felt like I was chatting to an old friend. So Bina, thanks so much for joining me today. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. I, I just finished work. This is actually my first recording and you're my first guest. Ah, how exciting. Thanks for having me. So I, I've known you through Instagram. The Vegan Doctor, is that your handle? That is my handle. I was vegan before it was popular. And that's exactly what I always say to people whenever anyone <laughs> says, oh, how long have you been vegan? I'm like, oh yeah, seven years, like before it was cool. And they always find that funny because I literally remember being vegan and going to Tesco's and there being like one rubbish soya milk. And now you go to Tesco Express and there's tons. You could not buy tofu in the supermarkets when I was like vegan, first vegan. Yeah. But anyway, we digress. I remember that. Yeah. So yeah, um, I followed Bina for ages, probably like three, four years. We both followed each other. You, I think I probably followed you when I was veggie rad. Um, and we have the same birthday. Yes, we do. And I always love seeing what you're up to on your stories. Yeah, I thought it'd be really nice to chat to you today about your career through medicine so far, your experiences and your life. So actually, would you just mind introducing yourself to the listeners? So uh, my name's Bina. My handle is The Vegan Doctor. Um, I am vegan. I actually, we had we have the same birthday. We also went to the same university. I went to Imperial. I graduated I in 2013. That. Yeah. And then I stayed in Northwest Thames and did my F1, F2 and then decided to take a break. Even though I knew I wanted to do radiology at this point, um, I think I, I applied and I didn't get, I think I got Manchester or somewhere north. And I was like, actually, I think I want to go to Australia. So I took a random, I just went randomly to Australia, not knowing how long I would stay. Ended up staying for three years doing emergency medicine, initially as an SHO and then as a reg, as so many English doctors do. And then I, I at this point, I was trying to get onto the radiology training scheme in Australia, but it was very difficult. So I applied back in the UK and I got a job in Brighton and then I moved back to Brighton. And I've been a radiology trainee since the beginning of 2018. And I'm now currently on an OOP. So I started my, so an OOP is an out of program experience. And I started that in August of 2021. And I go back to work as an ST4 this August. That's so good. Okay, so you were talking about Australia. So when did you decide you wanted to go to Australia? Probably halfway through my F2 year. Um, I was already thinking about it and then I think I didn't get my first choice um, radiology training scheme and one of my bosses who was in ED 
at Watford at the time had worked on the Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, don't apply to Sydney or, or Melbourne. Go to Gold Coast. You really like it. And I just applied for a job and I I got it. And I was like, oh, OK, well, I'm going to go to Australia then. Nice. Um, and I just went and I didn't know anyone there. I didn't know anyone going and I just went and I had the best time. I had a really, really good time and ended up yeah, staying, staying there for three years, um, which was great. And was that like a um, every year you decided let's just stay one more year? So I think for the first couple of years, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really sure what it was. It, it was really nice to live on the beach. Mm. I used to walk barefoot to my coffee shop and grab my coffee in the morning. The money was really good. Yeah. Um, it was just a really nice lifestyle. Um, and I was seeing someone there at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I just ended up staying and I thought I might get onto the training program there. But in hindsight, I'm really glad that I came back, actually. You know how we were saying you were vegan before it was cool? I feel like you went to Australia before it was cool because nowadays so many people go to Australia, but you were there back in the day. Yeah, it was, I mean, there was, it was still a lot of British doctors. I remember a patient being like, is anyone Australian in this hospital? Because it was, I think the EDs were like 70% English doctors. Oh my gosh. There's a lot of English doctors out there. Um, just because it's like a nice lifestyle, same language, it's really easy for you to to go. Actually, it's not that difficult to get your MBBS recognised there. So yeah, it was it was good. It was fun. Yeah, I have I have a friend who's there right now, and she was meant to come back this summer. And she was like, yeah, I'm staying for at least one more year, and I'm like, okay, I miss you. I want to visit <laughs> you, but like, I don't have enough annual leave. <laughs> oh God, yeah, story of our lives. And then we were talking before we started recording. We were talking about. Um, why you ended up coming back to England or at least the circumstances in which you came back to England so do, do you mind just sharing a little bit more about about that if you don't mind yeah sure um so I think I had been trying to go onto the radiology training program in Australia and I thought well what the hell I'll try in the UK and I applied and at the time my dad was quite sick so he had cancer um and he wasn't being actively treated he was essentially palliated but we weren't sure how long but we thought he would probably have another six to eight months yeah um so I got the job in Brighton and I was due to move back middle of July to start August but end of June my father suddenly sort of passed away mm-hmm. um so I had to kind of rush back and I think I was really an autopilot at that point because yeah. I rushed back for the funeral went back to Australia to pack up my life and move back to the UK but it I didn't even question coming back and it was really difficult to actually speak to a human person in HEE because it's all done via this weird portal system I wanted to defer my entry to radiology for a little while because I was not in a great headspace but was told that that wasn't possible so I kind of didn't have a choice I I was like either give up your training number or you just start And, and so I just started it was it was a really tough time actually because I really missed Australia um I had been with a guy when I was there and we broke up my dad had obviously just died my grandmother died and I I really didn't like radiology because I had been really independent in A&E I was working as a registrar I was doing all these procedures I was like pivotal and you come to radiology and I like if you speak to anyone who knows me very well like I love radiology I'm obsessed with radiology I love my job I literally saw in your Instagram bio like <laughs> I love radiology like, I don't even think I have that about pediatrics so yeah you do yeah I just I really love it but ST1 is so tough in radiology especially if you've come from somewhere where you've been really independent and doing lots of 
other stuff um yeah because you're kind of everything needs to be double checked you you don't really add I know it sounds really bad you don't add much value to the actual system um it's a really nice year because you don't have to do on calls and it's like no stress you just need to pass your exams that's the only thing you need to do but actually for someone who needs to be busy all the time like me I found mm. it really really difficult and then winter came. I remember de-icing my car at like five in the morning one day and a solitary tear running down my cheek. Like, oh, what God. have I done? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I, I think uh, there's a few things I wanted to talk about from what you've already said. I'll try and think of them at different points. But I think ST1 is really hard. And mm. we all talk about F1 and F2 being hard. But then ST1, you're in this training job, which you've wanted for ages and you've applied for and it's competitive. And then you get in and you're like, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm doing. This is what I've said I want to do for the rest of my career or at least for now, unless I decide to change my change everything. And I found that, too. I found ST1 quite tricky because I just didn't really know what I was doing and it stressed me out that I didn't know because I was like, well, how am I ever going to be a reg and have to do this cannula or know what to do with this Weezer when actually the whole reason I'm in a training job is to learn those things. It's not yeah, to be able to got... do everything from the very beginning. How long is the PEDS, Peds training program? Eight years, but it's turning into seven years. That's a big thing going on right now where it's changing to seven okay. years. How long is yours? Yeah, five. Five? But most people do, yeah, but most people will do a fellowship at the end of that. Oh, okay. For suspects like I would say 80% of people do a fellowship yeah but yeah I think you've got five to eight years or whatever it is to you know you wouldn't need a training program if you were perfect from day one would you yeah exactly and then you were saying about winter as well like those early starts in winter before going to work are just the worst and like when you're getting the tube and it's raining and you're walking to the station and you're just like I have an 8am start and you're just like what am I doing with my life and then you finish at like eight o'clock and it's still dark. It's just like <laughs> cold. Not not. And everyone else is having Christmas fun. My day starts at four fifteen. Like because <gasps> I do my bodybuilding training, I have to go before work. So I wake up at four fifteen. I'm at the gym by five. You go every day. <laughs> five days a week usually. Yeah. That is insane. So you went to the gym this morning at four fifteen. Oh, only when I'm working. That is not my normal rhythm. It's just to fit work in, and like when you've got exams and encores and whatnot, like I cannot go in the evening, so I have to go in the morning. So only when I'm working. At the moment, I'm living my best unemployed life, and I go at like seven in the morning, like a normal person. Oh, fine. Yeah, of course. You were telling us about um, what happened with your dad, and that that sounds really really hard like especially because you had kind of already planned to come back we're well, not kind of you had planned to come back and and everything you were teeing everything up to come back and then you almost just you came back more suddenly in really sad circumstances mm-hmm. um, and so unexpectedly so when did that happen in relation to when you were due to start your training so it was end he passed away end of June and I was like starting beginning of August so it was like five weeks and then in that five weeks, you tried to contact someone from the training, from Health Education England to try and defer the entry. Yeah. And I got some sort of like a very strange, like very, I don't think it was computerized, but it was like a very, I don't know how to describe it, like just a cold email kind of being like, no, these are the reasons why you can defer entry and it's too late to, to defer your entry now, like four weeks before you start. Yeah. That is really sad because you just really think that in these sort of why why would you just get a computer says no kind of response and that's literally it was exactly that yeah but I mean to to be honest in hindsight I think it was probably good like I did find my first year really hard and I was probably on the precipice of like having a nervous breakdown (laughs) for the first six months 
every day but then I think I'm the kind of person who needs to be busy and I think it would have been more difficult for me if I hadn't had anything to do so I had to like just get up go to the gym go to work and that was like my day and it took me six to eight months before I felt like a a normal human again but I just used to force myself to get out of bed and do everything every day and Mm. just going through the motions but eventually like you just you feel better and how did you find being away from your family because you were training in Brighton right yeah, my training's in Brighton, but my family were in London. Um, do you know what? It was so much closer than being in Australia. So it was That's so true. Brighton's so close. Like I can come home every every weekend and actually it's been a really good place for me. Like I love my colleagues, I love the people that I work with. Um, it's super vegan. Um, it's a really fun environment. I've met loads of really, really fun people. It is so vegan. Yeah, you're gonna have to come down to visit. Oh my god, I'd love to. Brighton is the most <laughs> vegan city in the world. I don't know if that's true. Apparently. I mean, it's very small, but yeah, it, it's super vegan. Like, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really fun place. It's nice to be by the beach in the summer and the people are really friendly. And actually, it's been a really, really good thing for me. Um, yeah. So I've loved it. And then you say, so you feel like you probably found your feet probably eight months into SD1. Yeah, it took a while. So what happened after SD1? So I did my head and neck placement and I just loved it like that was what that was the turning factor for me I got to do all these neck biopsies I had a really great time and passed my exams and all of a sudden things I actually went to so my ES is actually our head of school and I had I went to him at like six months and I was like I hate this job I don't like it I want to go back to Australia like I've had can can you accept like my my this is me saying that I want to go now that's it and he was like, I really think you should just wait until after your exams. I think things will feel different. then." I was like, fine, but I'm not going to change my mind. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and then literally like three months later, I passed my exams and um, I had done my head and neck block. And I was like, oh, actually, I really like this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm really enjoying this. That's so nice that he look, looked out for you in that way. I think I've had, I definitely had a time in medical school where I was like, I want to quit. I'm out. I don't want to do this anymore. And my mom was like, just wait just wait and see and like now I can't imagine effort leaving medicine but I really did want to leave at one point and it's just it's nice to have those people looking out for you with hindsight to basically yeah look after you and just make sure you're not making rash decisions and people do decide to leave and change their mind but at least it's a a prolonged thought out decision rather than yeah I I don't know I think it I, I it's doing medicine is the best thing I ever did but it was really hard like there were lots of times where I was you feel like you're missing out on lots of social events you're missing out on so many things because you're studying because mm-hmm. you've got an exam because you've got this because you've got that but like it's been so worth it I, I'm super happy with my career choice I agree I always say to people that I like being a doctor so much more than I like being a medical student and I don't know if you felt the same going to imperial but 100%. I found med school really really hard and I did not enjoy it and I always felt like I was doing something wrong because everybody else loved uni and I found it really stressful and my mental health was a mess and I was do you think it was an imperial thing though I think it probably was a little bit of an imperial thing I I don't but it's hard to compare because we didn't go anywhere else yeah I don't know I I talked to friends and I actually really oddly I met up with a friend of mine from med school and I don't I have a few friends in med school but I'm you know my core friends are not my med school friends anymore but she said something quite similar she was like I think if we had gone somewhere which was maybe a little bit less intense like maybe we would have had more 
fine. Like people, other people from med school seem to have like much closer friendships. Mm. I don't know what yours are like, but I have like a handful. But I would say my I would count my uni friends on less than two hands, like two hands, and it wouldn't take yeah. up all the fingers. <laughs> um, but then I I do often think as well that I we received excellent training and oh yeah I just I'm really grateful for the training I received at Imperial and I wouldn't change anything other than the fact that I wish I stressed less like I don't think I would say I'd go to another med school I just wish I stressed less less and try to enjoy the experience of uni more because I just didn't and I didn't value how like rare it was to be in those sort of situations like be near your friends and have time Mm. and have long summer holidays I just didn't appreciate that and that's the sort of thing I wish I appreciated in looking back. Well, this is something I was going to say as well, like with regards to, I mean, we'll come to it, but like the destination addiction. And I think medic- medics yeah. really have that because it's like, okay, I just need to get like all A stars in my GCSE and then I need to get all my A levels done. And then and then I need to get into a good med school. And now I'm in a good med school. I just need to finish med school training. And it goes on and on and on. And we never stop. It's like a hamster wheel. What did you call it? The destination addiction? Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of that. And it is so true. Like, we start from such a young age just trying to jump through the next hoops and like now I finish mm. my exams I'm like okay what now like I'll become a reg and then a consultant and I'm always like my hoops are nearly done in a way but in a nice way are you done with all your exams now pretty much well yeah I am oh wow yeah we don't have amazing you don't have an exit exam it's like an assessment but it's not an exam from what I understand it might change I guess but from what I understand it's it's just an assessment Oh yeah, I'm actually talking about exams. I've heard radiology exams are really hard. So tough, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. So hard, so hard. Seriously, what what makes them so tricky? So our part one exams are, and I'm not trying to put anyone off because this is, I think radiology is the best career, but um, our part one exams is anatomy, which is fine, but the physics, I really struggled with that exam because it is not natural. That's what I've heard. It's really weird. It's not really that relevant to radiology as a job. And... Um, it's just I, I did not like it as an exam physics is not something that comes very naturally to me I didn't do it for a level mm-hmm. I found it really hard and then then you have you pass and you're like cool then you have your 2a exam and the 2a I think it has like a pass rate of 50 percent oh my gosh um and it's like a six hour exam all done on one day and it tests <sighs> like literally the most minute it's SBA but it's like the most minute information and it's just it's a very it's a very tough exam and then I now I've got my viva what's that like I think it's better than the 2a it's more like what you do on the job is it kind of like how we have paces like clinicals yeah kind of I think it's so you have like a rapid station which is like all plain films which I think will be changing the next few years and then you have like a long cases where you scroll through and it's all written and then mm-hmm. you have on another day a viva where the examiners just show everyone like random cases and you have to present the case basically gosh that sounds so hard <laughs> we were talking about how you were in SD1 thinking about leaving and then talk us through how you yeah. got ended up taking your oop so I went on holiday I went back to Australia and I have a lot of other random interests um I compete in bodybuilding shows I um have recently more recently taken up pole dancing um and it's really hard to do that when you're in training my day literally does start at 4 4 15 in the morning I'll wake up have a quick snack go to the gym come home shower go to work and that is my day and I have to be in bed by like half eight nine and then when you've got exams you're studying and it's really really hard to maintain that over a long you're just like chronically fatigued so I wanted some time out to focus on some other things um and I wanted to go back to Australia actually and at that point I was still 
I loved radiology, but I still wanted to move back to Australia. I think I wasn't that settled. And I spoke to my TPD and she was like, yeah, that's fine. Like, you know, fair enough. You want to pursue other other things. No one in our training program has ever taken an OOP. Really? No. See, when you were saying that people in PEDS do it all the time, I was like really surprised because all my consultants were like, how have you managed to do this? Sorry, you're saying no one in radiology training had ever taken an out of program experience not in our training not in our training program no I cannot believe that no okay we'll talk about the differences between radiology and peds in a minute but (laughs) carry on so you you applied for your your oop yeah and so forms all filled out and it was set to start in 2020 August 2020 Uh but then there was lots of people going on mat leave and my TPD kind of was avoiding my phone call (laughs) slightly (laughs) didn't say whether I was definitely going and like I think I realised by May time that year that I would not be going on my OOP and obviously pandemic could hit mm. at that point anyway. Um, and I was redeployed to ED and there was a whole, that was a whole thing. And then she was like, look, we can, we can put it off until next year. And I wasn't keen, but I didn't really feel like I had a choice. And someone, you know, it, it, yeah, I just didn't feel like I had a choice in the matter. So I, I said, fine, we'll put it off for the next year. But I did say to my ES at the time, like, I am going in 2021. Like, I don't care what anyone says. I am kind of going to be gone. I don't care who goes on that leave. (laughs) 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 And um, yeah, so that was the process. But it took, I had to be quite forceful with them. Like it wasn't easy for me to get. And there was points where I was giving up and I have a really supportive, one of our bosses is super, super supportive about oops and things like that. And he was like, Bina, you need to fight for this because if you don't fight for this, no one else will. And you were you know you need to write for it so I did and I got it and I'm, I'm very pleased and now someone else has gone and looped from from our training program look at you paving the way <laughs> and when you when you applied what did you put as your did you have to put a lot of justification did you have to have loads of meetings about why you wanted it so there's, there's a few different types of OOPs that you can take. Um, so I'm on an OOPC, which is a career break. Then there's the OOP R, which is for research. And OOP T, which is for training elsewhere. Um, it could be abroad or in this country. And I think that's it. And then within the OOPC, there's a few different reasons why you could take it. Be sickness for yourself, sickness for a family member. Um, you want to pursue other interests outside of your training. Um so there's all different reasons that you can take it. And I think I know people in other specialties who have done OOP-Rs or OOP-Ts. So they've gone and trained elsewhere. I know a PEDS training actually from Leicester who went to Australia for a year. But that counts towards your training. But an OOP-C does not count at all towards your training. And you were the first person to take any kind of OOP, whether it be R, T, B, C. Yeah, to, to my knowledge, yes. That is mad. Okay, and then do you, what, so what were your reasons and what, like, what did you, how did you justify it? So I actually put two things down now that I recall. Um, the first, the main thing was I wanted to pursue my bodybuilding um, stuff and compete again, because it's really hard to do that kind of stuff when you're working full time and working shifts. And even though radiology is really, really cushy in terms of nights and weekends, um, it's still, you still have to do some some stuff. Um, and then the second thing was I just needed some time to sort, you know, like when my dad passed away, there was a lot of um, life admin lots of stuff that just needed sorting and it's really hard for me to do that when I'm in Brighton even though Brighton is just down the road it was just difficult for us to sort all that stuff out when I was only coming up one or two days every other week but yeah the, the main reason was because I wanted to pursue the bodybuilding stuff that's so cool and and how did it all go so did you do your bodybuilding in Australia 
So my coach is in Australia um, and I've got a lot of friends. Part of the reason why I wanted to go back was because I wanted to renew my permanent residency as well because um, oh. I've got permanent residency in Australia. Um, but I wanted to see my friends. I wanted to train with my my coach and do stuff. It was a really weird time to go because when I got to, when I was leaving for Australia, Australia was in a lockdown basically. Yeah, you like back to back to the lockdowns. Yeah, um, so we were out just coming out of lockdown here, and I went into a lockdown there, um, and I and I had to do like hotel quarantine when I landed. Um, it was a fun time. <laughs> Actually, our quarantine was really good because I was a resident. Um, we got flew into Darwin, and um, it was like in this old miners' accommodation. Anyway, we all had verandas and we could go outside, and it was oh, actually nice. quite nice. Yeah, yeah, it was quite nice. It was like a holiday. Oh, that's cool. And then what did you, so how long were you there for? What did you do in your time in Australia? So I ended up coming back, I said I planned to go there for the year um, and I ended up staying for I think seven months um, or six months um, and then I just, I think I realised that actually I, I miss England and I miss, I miss banter, um, <laughs> I miss my job <laughs> and I miss my family and I think my family had all gotten COVID in December and then my brother had had another baby and I just wanted to come home and see people. So I spent six months there doing bodybuilding, picked up pole dancing and had a really, really good time. And then just as winter was hitting there, I came back here for our great British summer. <laughs> so when did you get back? Uh, middle of Feb, I believe. Okay. I think, yeah. so, so when you were there, like when you were younger, do you think you get more homesick now compared to when you were there during your F345? Did you... Was it harder because of COVID that you couldn't come back and forth? No, do you know what? It was harder when my dad was sick because I had so much guilt. Um, so when I was F three, four, five, I, I, it was different. I wasn't homesick because I missed home as much as I do now, like miss my family. But at that point, I felt really guilty that I was there because my dad was sick. Um, but I was working like a proper job, whereas this time I was like doing a bit of ED locum, but I wasn't really working. I was just having a really good time. Full-time Jolsa is what we say in my family. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. And I was like, do you know what? I could be doing this in the UK. And I am. Like, I've been I've been on so many holidays since I've been back. Um, mm. So, yeah. I, mean, I think, yeah, as you get older, maybe I, I don't want children. And I'm single. And I think you just kind of think all oh, my family are in this tiny little quadrant in London. And you kind of miss that. And, and how did you, um, like you talked about, when your dad was sick and you being in Australia how did you balance that because I think especially coming from an Asian family that's the guilt I think is even stronger um how, how did how did you find that I was so um I stayed in one place as an SHO for like a year just over a year maybe a year and a half and then the second part of that time I was there I was locuming only and the money is very very good yeah. um, when you're locuming as a reg in ED there and so I was actually able to come, I was only working two to three days a week, um, three days max, pretty much. I think I came back and forth from the UK like five times. Oh my gosh. Not very, not very climate healthy, but still. You're vegan. It found a balance. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, I, I came back quite a lot. Um, and I because I was in that sort of dead end relationship when I was there, I couldn't see it at the time. Yeah. But um, I wanted to stay. Yeah, fair enough. So you are now post OOP, about to start working again in a few months' time. I know. And how do you feel about your year? You sound like you're really happy you did it. I am so happy. Like I would, I was saying to you actually that I would highly recommend more people to take it because 
actually, as we were saying, like when you get destination addiction with medicine and you're constantly looking for the next thing and people, when I was talking about this, people were like, oh, don't you just want to crack on and finish training? And I was like, okay, finish training and then be a consultant for another 30 <laughs> years. Like what, what is at the end of that? Like there's not, there's no benefit to finishing really quickly. And I'd argue, I, I mean, I won't go into detail about what it was, but I interviewed for a job, for a fellowship job recently and they really liked the fact that I had been away, that I had, I did had other interests, that I they even mentioned um, like my bodybuilding and my yoga, like I'm, I'm a yoga teacher as well, and mentioned that in my interview. And I think they, you know, sometimes employers value someone who's got life experience as well. It's not just about how many papers and publications you've done, although obviously you need to do do all of that to keep your CV healthy. But I think it's a, it's a lot about the, who you are as a person, what your life experience is as well. So how do you feel now that you've done you've done your oop in your like mind, body and soul? I feel so refreshed and ready to go back. I think towards the end of my FT3 year, I was lagging because um, that mm. COVID had been quite tough. Training definitely took a hit in radiology. I mean, you know, radiology is one of those things where consultants don't actually have to be in the building. The yeah. training was definitely not quite as good and I was tired and I I think you do get to a point with training and I don't know what it's like for peds but you get a bit fed up about with all this hoop jumping for ARCP and like doing yeah. all this stuff that you're just doing for your ARCP and I was getting a bit resentful and I do all these and then as you get through your training you'll realize that you do all these extra things that you don't get SPA time for you don't get paid for like I write rotors and I do um like grift that I you know you just end up doing loads of like different wearing different hats and then at the end you're like I'm really tired <laughs> I just want a holiday even when I I was feeling really burnt out recently but not like to a burnout burnout level but just like I'm not working my best I'm dreading work a little bit I'm not enjoying it as much and I had a week off and I felt so good coming back I was excited to go back to work I was like happy to be there and I think mm-hmm. we it's really important to acknowledge the importance of time off in, in your rotor. And when I was at F1, I kind of thought, oh, you should just try and take like two to three weeks off in a yeah. row so you can go on one big holiday. And someone said, no, you should try and spread it out. And I didn't really get it. And now I really get it. Like sometimes I just take a day off just so I can spend time with my family. It's not all about taking time off just to go abroad. Um, but you've, I had to have a proper mind shift mm-hmm. to be able to understand and accept that. Um, but we, yeah, we do need to rest because we're working so hard all the time and it can be really intense, especially after COVID. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just been a lot. COVID was like a weird time, wasn't it? Like we didn't get, none of us got furloughed. We were working extra hard and um, it was a really weird time. Like I was redeployed. I don't, were you, were you a, an F2 at that time, weren't you? A very good knowledge. Yeah, I was F2, yeah. <laughs> so I was an A. Yeah, I was redeployed. Yeah, you were in A&E too. But were you doing radiology A&E or, or working as an A&E reg? No, they redeployed me as an A&E reg for two months. Oh gosh, it's like back to the yeah. Australian reg life. Yeah, but not as good. I wasn't getting paid as much. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was. So I was A&E SHO, so I was meant to do four months of A&E, four months of OBS and gynae as just part of my F2 rotations. And then we didn't get redeployed, so we just did eight months of A&E. And like, I can't even remember that time very well at all. The whole, yeah. there's probably like 20 memories I have of my eight months in a and It's just splurred so much because I think I've just blocked it all out because COVID was just so mm-hmm. hard. 
Um, and sometimes like I think sometimes I think I minimize it and I'm like, oh, actually, COVID wasn't that bad for us. Like, I think it was for as an A&E SHO, I sometimes think was it worse for like the medical SHOs, but there shouldn't be any comparison in that. We were all going through a tough time together and it, it was hard. I think it was all it was it was pretty crap all around. It was it was. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't the best of times. I mean, you know, we made it through. We made it through. It's fine. So moving on to a more positive note, you've talked a lot of times about why you love that you love radiology. I just want to know why you love radiology because I'll be honest, I am not someone that loves radiology at all. Um, and actually, I feel like you have quite a similar personality to me. So, what is it about radiology that you love? Why do you love it? I quite like being the person who makes the diagnosis. And quite often in radiology, you do get to do that. I do, I like, I think after years of doing A&E, I think I like some patient contact, but I don't really feel like my whole day needs to be filled with patient contact. I really enjoy my colleagues and I like working in the hospital environment. But, you know, I still do biopsy lists and ultrasound lists and I still have to see patients from time to time. But, you know, now I'll do an ultrasound list and I'll be like, oh, that was enough patient contact for the week. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done now. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 the main thing is that I just I do really like looking at imaging. I like seeing really interesting pathology on imaging. I like doing biopsies. I like and I think one thing that one of my consultant friends mentioned to me, because I was saying to him, I'm really not enjoying this EV gig as much as I you know, thought I would. Hmm. And she was like, well, actually, when you're in radiology, you're a specialist in something because I so I'm head, neck, chest, subspect. And, you know, you run the MDT and people want to know your opinion and you're an authority on something in the same way that, if you know, as a pediatrician, people want to know your opinion on something. Um, and I like that. I think I, and I enjoy that whole MDT. But, yeah, I, I really like looking at imaging. <laughs> that's so cool I guess also I stupidly naively often just think of radiology as just reporting when actually mm. especially these days it's so much more than reporting and yeah obviously there's a whole interventional side and I actually didn't realize that you guys subspecialize into like head and neck or I yeah. guess we have pediatric radiologists so they've subspecialized into pediatrics yeah. um I hadn't realized that either so I can I guess I can understand the appeal slightly more <laughs> and what advice would you give to if if one of our listeners wanted to do radiology would you have any advice for them I'd say do it I think I genuinely have no regrets whatsoever my first year was really hard and just accept that you're ST one year in any specialty but especially radiology because it's such an apprenticeship it's, it's going to be really difficult and it's a steep learning curve because it's very different to any Thing you might have done before there's no ward rounds that's another positive about radiology no ward <laughs> rounds I can so see that <laughs> you get to sit and wear nice shoes and you know anyway um coffee. yeah <laughs> yeah exactly um I would say do a taste a week see if you like it give it a good go because I don't think there's that much exposure at med school no. with what radiology is like I had a week placement yeah I think I had a week placement and I think actually that was more than other med schools do yeah I think so um, so yeah get involved like talk to the, your local radiology department I've helped loads of, of like f1s f2s who want to get into radiology um, spoken to them about their cvs help them um, just speak to speak to the trainees and speak to the radiologists and get an idea of what it's like but um, you know it's not for everyone but I have absolutely zero regrets about doing it I love it that's so nice and actually is there anything you would say to your younger self like to the st1 beaner that wanted to quit if if you could give any advice to her, uh, 
just take a deep breath and just get on with it. <laughs> it was, uh, and do you know what? I think I actually managed really well. One of my friends at the time was just like, I was saying to her, I'm really falling apart. Like I'm struggling here. And she was like, I think in a few years time, you'll look back and feel really proud at how you manage this whole situation. And like I do, I feel really proud. I'm so glad that I just stuck to it and I got on with it. But it was a really, really tough year for me. Um, but yeah, it just got better and better. That's so good. I think what I found too with um, my training is that at the beginning of every rotation, I, I basically always hate it. I'm always like, I hate this. I want to quit. The nurses don't like me. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> and then two to three months in, you're like, okay, I'm finding my feet. I think I like this. And then at the end, you're like, no, I don't want to leave. And I've now I've done, this is my fourth time doing a pediatric rotation. And every time I follow that cycle, every single time. So now yeah. I just accept it as part of the process. I know yeah. I don't like it right now and I know it's going to get better and I know I'm going to like it at the end of it. I hope that's the same for me being on neonates right now because I'm still struggling with it two or three months in. But, you know, it, I think you do you do learn that it's just part, part of your training actually is yeah. being in situations you're not familiar with and learning how to deal with them and learning what to do and, becoming more confident with them as time progresses 100% like did you not feel like that when you did your f1 f2 jobs yeah I definitely did but again they were like four month rotations and I think I expected it with f1 and two because it's yeah because that's what everyone says and I didn't expect it it just wasn't in my mind with pediatric training I, I kind of because mm. you think you're, you're in your specialty now like this is a specialty yeah. I want to do it should be easy it should be fine yeah but that's not yeah. like literally that's not the point of your training if you're going if it's going to be easy no and even in radio like you make loads of mistakes and you just have to accept that you everyone's going to make mistakes you misreport something that's part of training I think that's what I'd find hard with radiology is like as a I guess I'm a medic a pediatric medic we rely on your reports so much yeah. and um yeah I think I just find that quite scary but then there, there are everyone's human and that's part of the process of mm. learning how to do what you're doing yeah 100 percent. it's the same as making a mistake in any specialty yeah and then how about what advice would you give to anyone that wanted to do an out of program year I would say have a good think about what um you want to do in your year and um, whether you want it to count towards your training or not and if you want a career break I think it's really worth pursuing one because there's literally no rush to get to the other other side like there's literally only 30 years of consultancy waiting for you and it's quite hard to take time out at that point if you've got other interests that you want to pursue just do it because you know and I had you know one thing that I did have when I initially started my oop and I was waiting to go to Australia I had FOMO this is how institutionalized I've become I had FOMO I was like all my other colleagues are doing their part two like their 2B exam now I should be doing it with them and I'm going to be a year behind and yeah. I had all these thoughts and like I was like maybe I should just go back to work early maybe I should just have a four-month oop and now I'm just like oh my god I have to go back to work like how am I going to go back to full-time work yeah so you know you do have that period of like you feel like oh FOMO that you're going to be behind but you are not going to be behind for absolutely anything and if it's something that you want to do just just pursue it and be really persistent because yeah you were saying in in peds loads of people take oops and I just I was like mind blown yeah actually so I wanted to talk about this because um it's almost like the done thing in pediatrics uh, to take an oop um loads of people take oop r's oop e's oop c's and from what I understand, I've not applied for one, but from what I understand, especially for the first one, so you're ap apparently allowed up to three, and for the first one, it's it's 
not too difficult like obviously you have to apply and you have to give your reasons and you probably have to have a meeting or two from what I understand um but it's not too difficult and you can have your year out fairly easily so like I've already planned in my head I probably want to do one to do a teaching fellow job one to go traveling I'll probably leave it at two but yeah and again I was like I kind of was thinking oh I should just get to being a consultant and then I can do these things but I think these sorts of things are so much easier when you're in training even like having babies is easier when you're in training than when you're a consultant yeah. and I don't know it's just I'm really I being now surrounded by so many people who have taken years out I actually I don't think any of my regs haven't taken a year out um at some point that is mind but, but maybe it's because it's a longer training program and radiology is just like five years and people just want to get on but so I think part of it is because the attrition I've heard on the grapevine, but again, I've never seen stats for this, but apparently a lot of people drop out of pediatrics. So almost to make it more friendly, they are more open to allowing people to take years out. Um, but yeah, you don't necessarily need a reason. Like, like you said, people go to Australia just to work for a year you can try and get that to count to your training. It's such a difference compared to radiology where you basically have to fight for it. Yeah, one of my consultants was like, how on earth have you managed to do that? It was just, I do have a friend who does um, ED training somewhere up north and she managed to get an OOP. Yeah, and I don't know if it also changes depending on what, what deanery you're in um, as to how open they are to allowing it because it depends on the local area, I guess, and the TPD. So, I mean, I would recommend that if, if you haven't had many people in your training programme or in your deanery take OOPs, just ask because had I not asked no one would have ever spoken to me about it I wouldn't have heard about it I was talking to one of my bosses who um who had gone on like a around the world sailing trip and he and he's so pro oops and he's so pro taking time out and he really supported me through it he was just like you need to fight for this if it's something that you want to do because there are people who will not fight for it and once you've done it once one person has cross the Rubicon other people will as well (laughs) I think that's two things I've learned like as I've gotten older one is that it's amazing having seniors who support your decision and will basically encourage you to do what you want to do and the other is that you have if you want something you have to fight for it like if you think anyone else is going to do it for you then that's just silly because you're the only person that has your interest and if you don't fight for it no one else is that bothered like no, you can not. apply that to so many different contexts but if you if you aren't the person emailing harassing calling saying sort this out sort this out sort this out they're not going to sit there running after you everybody has 101 things to do yeah and you need to basically advocate for yourself and and I don't want to say fight but it is essentially what you have to do you have to you have to keep pestering until you get what your desire and I think you have to be open about what you want. Like, because I was thinking back to like, now that we're talking about my ST1 year, like I was going through a tough time. There were so many times where I just like randomly burst into tears in yeah. the middle of like talking to a consultant, whatever. And I was really honest with people and that they were more supportive because of that. But if you kind of keep it in and it's not comfortable for a lot of people to talk about what's going on in their lives. But no. if you tell people, then they can help you. But if you don't, tell anyone and no one can give you advice no one can help you and no one can support you through that so have to be have to be open to that as well yeah I think it it, yeah I agree and and we're not sometimes as medics we're not very good at sharing what's going on at home I guess in case of fear of being judged or I don't know people not trusting us at work in some way but I think you kind of especially in medicine you need to know what what the situation was with your colleagues to be able Mm -hmm. to work effectively as a team yeah and if you're not sharing that like did you tell people in ST1 what was going on 
I mean, rat, it was ridiculous. I would burst into tears on a weekly basis. Like, there was no way that I couldn't tell people what had gone oh, really? on. Okay. It was really weird. Like, I just, I actually, one day, one of our colleagues was like a bit anti-hugs, but she was like, do you want a hug? Like, she looked really awkward. But her dad had passed oh. away. And I, I was like, when does this stop? Like, when do you just stop randomly bursting into tears? And she was like, maybe like a year, I would say. But yeah, I did for like a good six months. I did randomly, but it was impossible for me to not tell people what happened. I just couldn't. Yeah. Control. It was really weird. I could not control it. Um, That's no, it's sad, and and I think ST one in itself is so difficult when there's so much change, as we've already said, and then to have such a big thing happen and such a sad thing happen. But do you know what? It it really fostered like good communication and good friendships with you know, I'm really good friends with some of my consultant colleagues now. And it's because I was really open and I was really honest with what was going on. Um, yeah. That like now we've got really good friendships because because of that, because I felt comfortable to tell them. But they were, they're also a really, really nice bunch of people. Um, so, you know, it makes it easier. That's so nice to hear. Because often I get, as F1 and 2, you get scared of calling the radiologist because often they're scary. But I have also been pleasantly surprised many times where I've had really friendly radiologists and they're so nice and helpful and you feel like you're chatting to your mates. Um, so I probably have a, um, a skewed perception incorrectly. I think everyone can be a bit grumpy. I can be a bit grumpy, actually, when I'm taking referrals. I can be. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but usually if it's a good referral, then I won't be grumpy. But it's usually when it's... Um, the problem is when you're F1, F2, you have no idea why you're requesting something. It's just like the surgeon, the consultant sent me. I don't know. I remember so many times in F1 and 2 being, I don't know. And then then I started learning to be like, and why do you want that scan? Just so I know what to write in the request and what to say to the radiologist. Yeah. And like, you, you, you're not, you don't know enough to, to put the signs together to understand what they're looking for unless they tell you. Um, so yeah, that I found that really hard as an F1 and 2. I have to always try and remind remind myself like yeah. it was really hard when you were in F one F two and you didn't know what the hell you were doing and you were just trying to stay alive. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, I think I think that's probably everything I I want to talk to you about. Is there anything you want to add? No, I would just say like if, yeah. Again, I would reiterate. Oops, was the best thing I've done in a long time. Um, feel very refreshed, and even if you don't have like a mental, you're not having a mental breakdown about training and you just want to go and do something, I would highly recommend it because I've had a really, really, really great time. And you have to push through that institutionalized idea of FOMO as well, because you're not missing out on anything. Yeah. And what I've learned so much along, people have said to me, it's, it's all about your journey and training. It's definitely not about the destination of being a consultant. And I'm, I'm learning to take the slow path rather than try and try and whiz through it all. Yeah. Yeah, you just want to get off the hamster wheel sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And it sounds like that's exactly what you've done and you're you're so glad for it. Yeah, I'm really happy. Well, thanks so much for um for chatting me to me today. I will I will put your Instagram handle in the show notes. Wow, I feel so pro saying that. And um yeah, give give Bina a follow. She posts about her vegan life, about her bodybuilding life, her pole dancing, which we didn't really talk about, but I think it's so cool that you do that. Um, and also all things radiology as well. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Bye.